The Flat Earth Society has members all around the globe. I wonder what the inventor of the drawing board said after his first design didn't work out. <laughs> Ever thought about that? Hmm. I'd love to have kids one day, you know, two days tops. <laughs> this is my favorite. I was the knight that no one expected to see in the battlefield. Sir Prize. Surprise. And lastly, I just want my skills to be so urgently required that a helicopter is dispatched to pick me up. Nobody likes that one. Okay. That's pretty cool, though. Wouldn't that be neat? We need you in Alaska right now. And the helicopter comes and picks you up at your house. None of you guys like that idea? Anyways, okay, next. Uh, we are currently in a series called Child of Love, and this is the last, last part of that. This is part number four. All the other ones are on Facebook, so if you want to check that out or on our website or our YouTube channel. But we are ending this series today, and it's a great time to be here because um, there might be some of the gifts and the talents that God has given you that maybe will highlight and uh, you might discover something about yourself today. But we've been in uh, Psalms 139, which is a um, passage by David, who is the king. He started off as a shepherd boy, and um, he was just a man after God's own heart. David was uh, one of those people who would fall really, really hard and then get back up and then fall really, really hard and get back up. And so you just see this as you read the Psalms, how David just, um, just constantly is coming back to God and just knew the love and the forgiveness of the Lord. And so we're in Psalms 139, verse 4. I'm going to go ahead and read that. We're going to look at what that means to our life today. It says, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Before words on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. So God knew I was going to say those horrible jokes, and he was still okay with it, okay? You hem me in behind and before, and you lay, my, lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit, and where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there, and if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. Have you ever considered what you were created for? Have you ever wondered, why did God create you? What is my plan? What's the purpose that the Lord has for me on this earth? We all have about 75. Some, some of us have like 100, some of us less. We all have opportunities in our life to discover, what in the world am I created for? What am I supposed to do with my time here? So I've really been on this kick um, on uh, discovering, you know, what, what is it that I'm created for? I just turned 40, 40-ish <laughs> a while ago. But in my teens, 
in my teens, I thought my creation, the reason I was here was to totally have fun. Like that was, my, my son is off to boot camp right now. He's 17 years old. He's not even a senior in high school and he's already getting boot camp done. This is not how I did life. I did not do these things. He's just like this odd kid to me because he's got all these plans. He's always been planning things. I was thinking about waking up in the morning and having fun. You know, as a teen, like, who do I get to hang out with tomorrow? And, you know, those are the things going on in my head. I wasn't thinking about going to knock out boot camp. That was my teens. In my 20s, I was trying to figure out life. In your 20s, I think, you know, you try a bunch of different things. You're like, you know, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And, and uh, one thing that I realized in my 20s is that I had 10 W-2s one year. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm really trying to figure this out. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of W-2s. Think of the tax. Oh, you're writing it all in there. Like, I'm, I'm going to try to stick to a different, like, one job for a while. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> in my 30s, I was like, I want to figure out what it would be like to be consistent at something. So we planted ourselves in the Quad Cities. I stopped moving all over the United States. And okay, what's it like to be consistent? Pick a church, pick a job, and then be there. Pick a school district and stick into it, even in the hard times. What is it like to be consistent in life? To stay somewhere, work through hard times with people. You know, I wanted to figure that out. And now in my 40s, I'm realizing, like, how do I pass this stuff on to people? You know, you want to leave a legacy. And I guess, like, for the rest of my life, supposedly that's, that's going to be, like, one of your desires. If you're in your 50s and your 60s and your 70s, you want to pass things on to people. How do I, how do I leave a legacy? How do I give this, this, these uh, life skills, the things that God's done in your life, and how do you hand them off to other people and walk them through that mentor and, and love people right where they're at? And like, I've been there. I know. I had 10 W-2s. Jobs are tough. Like, I understand that. How do you do that? This has kind of been my kick lately. The Apostle Paul is very similar in the Bible. He's in his 50s when he writes to the church of Corinth, which we're going to look at that. And in Galatia, he, he writes to those churches, and he's in his 50s. But you can kind of pick up on what type of age group the person writing to you is from by their words. So in the Bible, Timothy writes to us, and it's encouraging. It's like, go, go do this thing. It's like kind of, uh, you know, he's just a young, young guy. Like, you can do this. It's going to be amazing. God's got amazing plans. And then you got Peter, who's in his 20s and his 30s, and he's a little headstrong. Like, you guys got this. Like, I would never do that stuff. I will never fall into sin again. You know, these are things I said in my 20s. But then you have Paul, who writes to the church in his 50s. Like, guys, here's, here's the plan for your life, and here's what you need to do. This is, some, this is coming from somebody with some age behind them. Like, I've walked through this stuff. Here's the things you need to do to get this done. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul explains to us what we're created for. He tells us, straightforward, you guys want to turn there, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. So Lord, we just invite you to uh, just speak directly to our hearts today. Yeah, just have your way, Lord. 
Lord, you know what each one of us came in the door with, the, the different things that we've been maybe uh, pondering and the, um, the different seasons of life that each one of us are in. And so, Lord, I just pray that your word would just bring encouragement and boldness to, to each one of our hearts, that you would speak directly to your church. Lord, I just choose to get out of your way. Don't want to just preach another message, another sermon. Lord, would you just uh, speak directly through me to, to your kids? You know us. Yeah, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that your word is alive, it's living. It applies to our hearts. Every way, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Can you say you? You. Can you say us? Can you say me? You are the body of Christ. I want you to think about that. Jesus in the flesh is right here in the room. We are the body of Christ. Every single one of us, we are the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. The hope for the world sits in this room. The hope for the next generation sits in this room. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. Jesus in the flesh. Not only on Sunday morning, but on Saturday night. We are God's body. Paul says, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So who's left out? Each one of us is a part of the body of Christ. You are, this is to the church of Corinth. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So you each have different roles. You are all part of the body. One thing that I love about Paul is that he goes on to explain that like each one of us is a part of it, meaning you are part of the body of Christ. It's not like you are the body of Christ as a whole, but you are a part of the hands, you are his feet, you are his mouth, you're a part of it. He says that we're not all eyes because if we were all eyes, then we'd be a gigantic monster walking through the land, right? We are the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. And then he goes on to explain what is our role. And God is placed in his church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. So each one of us is a part of it. Here's the different roles that you can play in the body of Christ, that you have different talents and gifts, and God has given out and he's distributed these gifts to the church. Each one of us has a role to play in that. So last week, we talked about the first four that I just mentioned there, the apostles, prophets, and I'm going to go really quickly on what those will, um, how you can apply those in your life and what that kind of means, but then also talk through the last three. So the first one is apostles, so aka leadership means you love to start things. You're an entrepreneur a lot of times. You, you love getting things off the ground. You love gathering a group of people together to accomplish a mission. This might be that apostle gifting that God has given you. You always find yourself 
Like once something gets going, you're ready to go on to the next thing. That is one thing I've definitely learned with the apostle, gifting. And then we have prophets. Prophets as you feel a lot of things. You're always sensing things. You have really vivid dreams sometimes, and you're living out the rest of your day in the dream you just had last night. You also, uh, in the world of like following Jesus, you, you pray for your city, you're praying for your family, you're the, you're the person in your family that's actually praying for it. You don't just walk the dogs around the neighborhood, you're, you're praying for your neighborhood as you walk the dogs. This is that prophet gifting coming out. And then we have pastor. Pastor is you're full of compassion, you love getting coffee with people and just hearing their hurts and, and walking them through really hard times. Somebody passed away in somebody's family and you hear about it and you come alongside them and you're like walking them through everything. Can I get you food? Uh, you just love caring for people. That's that pastoral gifting that the Lord's given you. We just use it in the church context as like the pastor, right? So like I'm considered the pastor of City Church, but my actual gifting is an apostle, but we use that because like my role is to actually play a part in protecting the sheep, protecting us as a church, as a congregation. So this is the pastoral role that's played out in the church though also. Each one of us, you know, as God gives you those different gifts, you can be a pastor. You don't necessarily have the title of pastor or apostle or any of that. You, this is just how God's wired you. And then lastly is evangelist. You love getting people to Christ. You love sharing things. I found that a lot of evangelists work in the sales field. A lot of car salesmen are evangelists. <laughs> you know, you just, you love telling people about something that's interesting to you, and you just love getting them to purchase that car. <laughs> evangelists. So today I want to talk about teacher, and we're going to go through a little bit more uh, in depth on what these look like. But uh, the teacher gifting is you can communicate and explain things to people really well. People understand what you're saying because you taught them what it means. In following Jesus, the, the teacher is really a great source of wisdom in a confusing world. It's a great source to go to. This is what God's word says. Well, this is what everybody's saying, I know, but this is what God's word says. This is what it means. This is how you apply it to your life. That's the teacher gifting. Some common characteristics is gets excited about gaining knowledge. Can't put books down. You know, you're just sitting there reading like, oh man, I just want to dive in deeper. Love to explain things to people, presents truth in a logical and systematic way. So as I'm saying these things, if this hits home with you, great. If it doesn't, think about somebody in your life that maybe does have the teacher gifting. Some potential weaknesses is bores listeners with too much details. <laughs> it's kind of a weakness, I guess. Uh, can start to get knowledge proud. Yeah, I already know that stuff. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've, I know this. That's kind of a potential weakness. Some life examples, you may find yourself in a teaching profession. At home, you're the one that loves to help the kids with the homework. Does anybody like doing that? Raise, raise your hand. We got one. Okay. At the church, you love to train people and mentor them, teach them what the word of God says, help them along the way of life by teaching them. 
Not just telling them like what you think they could do, but actually teaching them how it will work. So this is the teacher gifting. Anybody feel like they connect with that at all? You can put up your teaching hand. Great. Helper gift. Loves to use their time and their talents to uh, help the team's goals. Common characteristics are readily recognizes needs. You just like jump in there and start helping. You know, people are moving a bunch of tables. The teachers are like, oh, they should probably use their legs and do that. <laughs> the helper's like, okay, where do we need these tables at? They're just ready to jump in, ready to help out, be a part of things. Uh, the helper gift can remember what people like and don't like. Stays until the project is finished. This is part of that helping gift. One thing that I've realized is the apostle gift loves to start new projects. The helpers actually stay until the project's finished. Because what happens is the apostles start something and they get it going and then they're off to the next thing. The helpers are like, are we going to finish the thing we started? Or are we off to the next thing? I guess I'll stay here and I'll finish the project. This gift is so needed in the church. Some potential weaknesses is you find it hard to accept help from other people. Does anybody identify with that? Find it hard to accept help with other people. I, uh, Amy called me out and acted like I lied last service. But I said, I don't like it when people help us move. And I think, I think that's part of that, huh? I don't like it. Oh, that's the other reason. They don't... <laughs> Because they don't do it right, is what she said. But, <laughs> you know, I hate asking for, like, somebody to come help you move all your stuff. I would much rather me and her just fight that couch out the door. I mean, honestly. And um, the reason is, is because, like, I, I feel like I owe you my life after you've helped me move. And I think what it is, is I grew up as a pastor's kid, and I'm not joking, every weekend, my dad was moving people, and guess who was the little helper, you know? And we're talking like ladies, we're moving ladies three, three stories high, houses, and yeah, it's me and my dad, you know? So that helping gift, you don't really like to ask other people to help you out with anything. You're, you're more or less just like... I. I like to just help others. I don't need help from other people. It's a common weakness. And so if that's you in the room, I'm just going to invite you. Like, people love to help. And I'm moving next month. No, it's joking. <laughs> totally joking. We're not moving. Okay. Yeah, but let, let other people help you. It's fun. It, you don't owe them anything. Maybe get them coffee or pizza or something. Uh, with the, another potential weakness with the helper gift is get easily hurt when you're unappreciated. Like, I'm doing all this stuff, and nobody sees it, and it's, it's a good way to get offended. Um, and lastly is you have a difficulty of saying no a lot of times. Do you remember last year when everything got um, kind of wiped, wiped off your plate? when you thought about all the different things that you're doing throughout your week-to-week stuff, and then your entire plate got completely wiped clean, you're like, wow, I don't even need to do all that stuff. Wasn't that amazing? 
So one, one thing is, is uh, with finds it difficult to, to say no is um, not necessarily like the, the helping gift, but also with having an opportunity to not pile up your plate again this year. I hope that speaks to any, somebody in this room. You do have opportunities to value really, really great things in your life, and you don't have to say yes to everything. It's nice to say no sometimes. No, nah, that doesn't really work for our family or whatever. So in life, the helping gift is uh, you're the worker ready to jump in, you know, in the job site, on the job side, in, in, the, in the office. You're the one that loves helping other people, supporting you're great to have around. At home, you pick up with no complaints. You, you enjoy picking up around for people. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if anybody really fits that category. And then uh, at church, you're, you're the one that makes sure everything gets done. People are greeted at the door. There's somebody that greet people at City Kids. You're with the kids helping. You're, you're around here making sure the coffee's made and all that stuff. That's the helping gift. Does anybody, does that hit home with anyone? You like helping things, helping people? Cool. And then lastly is the giver. So you love investing uh, materials and resources into something you believe in. A lot of times God gives this gift a lot of faith. So even when things don't look real great financially in your own life, you're like, I just got to give because it's part of the gift that you have. It's a gift. Some common characteristics are uh, committed to giving financially to, to the church, to other organizations to make things happen. You manage your finances really well so that you can continue to give, because when your finances are not in order, it's really hard to give, right? Um, love to give quietly so nobody knows. That's kind of fun, isn't it? Have you ever done that? Just to give a gift and like just nobody knows about it. it. The whole reward is just like somebody was blessed. Yeah, it's fun. Potential weaknesses is a frugal lifestyle may seem like for your family and other people in your life. It may seem like you're kind of taken away from them, meaning you like give great amounts of money to support something, but then your kid needs a car, and you're like, yeah, God's going to all work it out. It's like, <laughs> you just give away $10,000. I could have bought my car. Encouraging other people to give may appear like you're pressuring them. Uh, and then lastly is giving to get some extra favor from leaders. Well, I support this, and I, I give this amount of money, so then I should have this amount of time with people or whatever that may be. In life, you love working with numbers at home. You love working on budgets and paying the bills. Does anybody enjoy doing this stuff? Raise your hand if you love working on your budget and paying bills. That's fun to you. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> At church, you move the church forward with your finances. It's a big part of like having vision for a church is one thing. Having the finances to support the vision of the church is another. The giving gift that helps support the, in the movement of the church. So those are three different gifts. And like I said, you know, there was four gifts from last week. We do have a book 
that's available. It's at the, the back counter that talks about these gifts in more detail, and you can discover more of your gift just by grabbing this book, filling it out. It's like 10 minutes, maybe. As I was praying about this, um, this message this week, one thing that I just realized was I just had this overwhelming feeling of what happens when we use these gifts and what happens when we don't use these gifts. And in, in my 20s and teens, I ran so far from God. Like, I knew what God had to offer. I knew it was on the table, okay? I, I knew the life that he had for me and the plans and, and um, that, that he really loved me. And I ran so far from God, even knowing that he would accept me and forgive me and, and bring me back. I was totally, uh, had all the knowledge of the, of the Bible to an extent to know enough about God that he will accept me and forgive me when I come back. And I had to go see what was out there in the world. I just had to go down every single alley and end up at a dead road, you know, at the end of the alley and go, oh man, this is like meaningless. This, this feels gross. I wake up in the morning feeling this way. I feel so ashamed. What is what do I need? And like, so when I gave my life to Christ, it was this radical transformation of Jesus taking my old life and giving me a brand new life. And so I felt that. I felt his love. I felt his forgiveness. It was a big part of my life. But one thing that I would always come back to is I wasted so much time away from God that my gifts and my talents that he had given me They're just kind of like, man, I wish I would have invested in those. I should have put more time in those. I should have been following Jesus when I was younger because then I would have been like more secure in my gifts and talents. Like you, and I kept hearing like you wasted way too much time. You, You wasted too much time out there doing your own thing for God to use you now. And like I would battle with it. I'd come to church and I'd get really excited about Jesus and then I'd leave and like, I know God wants to do something in me and I don't know what it is because I wasted so much time in my life. I don't know what he wants to do now. Like, what, what could he do? It was a battle, it was a struggle. But I wanna go back to Psalms 139. As David says it best, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go that you're not at, God? Where can I escape you? Where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? Jeremiah 23, 23 says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord? and not a God that's far away? Is God only with us when we're doing all the right stuff and we're following his plan? Is he not also a God that when we're in the thick of life, when we've walked away, when we've fallen, when we've walked away from God's plans for our life, that he's not there too? Where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is this, nowhere. 
nowhere. God repurposes all our mistakes, all of our brokenness, all those end of the road. And we're like, man, why did I waste so much time doing this? He repurposes it for his good. He takes those moments in our life and he reuses them. God is everywhere we go and he reuses our old life into our new life. He helps you be able to connect with people that are walking away. He, he reuses all the things that we walk through in life for his good and for our good. And the whole purpose of it is, is to bring us closer to him. So if you feel like you've wasted way too much time, man, I have just, I, I understand, I identify with some of these gifts and some of these talents, and maybe I've like practiced some of them. Maybe I've used some of them in the past. And maybe you just like put them up on the shelf. I just want to say today is a new day. Get them off the shelf. You can't escape God's plans for your life. God has plans for today. Yesterday is yesterday and today's a brand new day. He wants to use your life for his good. He wants to use you in your city. He wants to use you around your friends. He wants to use every aspect of your life. No matter if you're just coming back to him today, or maybe you've just walked through some life, and maybe you have that pastoral heart. I've heard this a lot, where you have a pastoral heart, and you have a ton of compassion for people, and your heart just gets trampled on. You're like, I'm done doing that. I just want to invite you to take your heart off the shelf and, and put it back in your chest. and Use your heart again. Use your heart again. Tell you, it's a new day. You can't escape his love. His plans haven't ended, and they're just beginning. God's not finished. He's not done with you. He wants to use your life. He wants to use these gifts and these talents that he's given you. Take a risk again. Have faith again. I know it's hard, but in Jesus, we can do it. Surrender your life again and go, God, use me like putty in your hands. Use me as putty in your hands in every aspect, in my job, in my family, at my church, whatever you want to do, God, I surrender to you. Use me. Use my gifts. Use my talents. Would you guys like to do that today? Let's just go before the Lord. This, I feel like this is a holy moment right now. It's a holy moment. I feel like the Lord is, is moving hearts in this room. And that's what he can do. That's, that's, that's what God can do. And so our hearts can line up with him. We can just say, God, I just surrender. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm, I'm here. I'm available. Use my gifts. Use, use these things that you, you put in my, in my life and use them for your glory. Just surrender them to him. Let's do that. Would you just pray with me?